We're going to be in the book of James this morning, James chapter number 3. James chapter 2, I apologize. James chapter number 2 this morning. We've been working through the book of James when I've been preaching, and we've made it to James chapter 2. We're going to do the second half of the chapter. Wednesday night, we did the first half of James chapter 2, and if you remember going all the way back to the beginning, back in July when we started, back in chapter number 1, James talked about, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When we go through trials, when we go through hard things in our life, we need to count it joy. Why? Because the trying of your faith worketh patience. God uses those difficult times and those hard circumstances to make us closer to Him and to make us more like Him. And the title of the sermon series has been, Are You the Real Deal?, And when we go through those difficult times and those trials in our life, a lot of times that shows who's a real Christian and who's a fake Christian, who really has the power of God and who is filled with the Spirit and who isn't. And so we talked about that, and then we went on to talk about the temptation when we are tempted to sin. When we're tempted to do wrong, we can have faith and power in God that God, number one, He will never tempt us to do evil, and He has never tempted any man And that God will, with our temptation, make a way to escape, that we may be able to bear it. And so we looked at, number one, trials. Number two, we looked at the temptation that does not come from God, the temptation to do sin. And then we talked about, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. For a person that is a doer of the word, or is a hearer only and not a doer, is like a person who wakes up in the morning, goes and looks in the mirror and sees they have something on their face, and then ignores it and goes on with their day, with mud smeared all over their face. Who would do that? Nobody would do that. They're going to wash it off. That's why we have mirrors in our bathrooms. That's why we have mirrors in the lobbies of the church. That's why we have mirrors in the bathrooms at the church. That's why there's mirrors everywhere so that we can see something that's wrong and fix it. We would look ridiculous if we didn't, but a lot of times we look into the perfect law of liberty in the Bible, which is called our mirror, our looking glass, and we see sins that God points out in our life, and we keep that sin in our life, and we don't confess it, and we don't get it right with Him. And then we looked at true religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, verse 27 of chapter 1, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. We're to help each other as a church. That's what true religion is. We're here. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ, uh, not meant to be fighting with each other and hurting each other, but meant to be helping and encouraging and lifting each other up uh, in prayer physically helping each other, being an encouragement to each other. Iron sharpeneth iron, so the man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And that's what we need to be as a church. And then we continued on in chapter 2 on Wednesday night and talked about respect of persons, the sin of prejudice, the sin of partiality. And do we struggle with that in America today? If you turn on the news for 20 minutes, you're going to see that we struggle with prejudice, with racism, with partiality. But it's something we also struggle with in the church as well, not just race, the color of our skin, but also with uh, who has money, about uh, social status. We struggle with that too. And we talked about how that is a sin and God does not like it, but we should treat everyone the same because God so loved the world. God didn't love just uh, a certain ethnicity. God didn't just love a certain social status, but he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for everyone. And that brings us to chapter 2, verse 14. If you miss any of the first messages, there it is in a nutshell. I know the rest of you that were here are going, I wish you had done it that quick when you preached before. Uh, We're going to be in verse 14 of James chapter number 2, and we're going to talk about faith this morning. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yet, yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works." Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou now know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not, Abraham, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was, I apologize, let me start verse 23 over again. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We know that faith is required for salvation. We know that faith is a requirement. Pastor talked about it. Uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. But what kind of faith do you have this morning? We're going to look through this passage of Scripture and look at three different types of faith that James mentions here in chapter 2. Three different kinds of faith that he noticed and that he saw, and we're going to point those three different kinds of faith out. And I want you to leave here today and evaluate your life and see what kind of faith do we have? What kind of faith do we have as Christians? Well, let's open up in a word of prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, for your word. Lord, for loving us enough to come die on the cross for our sins. But Lord, I pray this morning as we look at faith and what an important subject it is. And Lord, I pray that we would have the right kind of faith. Uh, and Lord, that you just show us through your word that the Spirit would speak to hearts, hide me behind the cross, and use, and despite me, use the words this morning from your word uh, to speak to hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at three kinds of faith, three easy ones. They all start with D's. So if you're taking notes, listen for those three D's. Number one, we're going to look at a dead faith. And that's mentioned in verses 14 through 17, the first ones that we mentioned, uh, the first verses that we read. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? I was talking to teenagers about this passage of Scripture, and one of the teenagers stood up and said, Ha! I found a contradiction in the Bible. I said, You did? Well, that is great. Let's talk about it. Uh, we were in teen class, and we did what we call roundtable discussions. Uh, and once a month, we would sit around in a circle, and we'd pick a specific subject, and I would tell them what it was ahead of time. And they would have to go and find scriptures and defend their viewpoint of what they believe based on the Bible. Not off what their mom and dad said. Not off what their pastor said. Not off what I said. Uh, but I said, that's a great topic. Let's talk about it in roundtable next week. And so they did. And they studied it out. And they said, this is a contradiction. Because we know uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this right here, Daniel, this says that can faith alone save him? It's a contradiction. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Does this point out that works is necessary for salvation, that you have to have works to be saved? 
Is that what it's saying? Think about it with me. It's a deep thought. And when you, at first glance, you look at it and you go, well, is that what it's saying? Is there a contradiction in the Bible? Did we find one? Uh, I submit to you that it is not a contradiction in the Bible, but it is a dead faith. And I think we have a lot of Christians and churches that have dead faith. Yes, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe when they were a young child and they got saved. They got saved, but now they're not living for God. They're backslidden. Can you lose that salvation ever? No, but their faith has become dead to them. They don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They come to church and they're not getting anything out of the preaching because they're dead already. They're not having their personal devotions, and so they're trying to live just off preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and it's not filling them, it's not feeding them because their faith has become dead to them. Now, there's two different ways you can do this. Let me tell you that if you are saved in here, it will change you. It will make you want to serve God. So if you are not wanting to serve God, if you found that you have a dead faith and you're not getting stuff out of your Bible reading and you're not wanting to serve him, you need to stop and do a heart evaluation. Because one of two things is true. Either number one, you're not saved. And I think we'll, have, we'll be surprised when we get to heaven, people that aren't in heaven. People that came to church and they wore the best clothes they had and they talked the talk and when it was time to pray for the offering, uh, the pastor called on them to pray and they taught Sunday school. But when we get to heaven, they may not be there. Why? Because teaching Sunday school doesn't take you to heaven. Knowing all the right words doesn't take you to heaven. You can have an intellectual faith and know everything up here but miss heaven by one foot. Because it's not here in your heart, because you never believed it. You had a head knowledge, you knew everything, you knew the words, but you never believed it in your heart. You never had faith enough to believe it, you knew everything. And how sad that is that someone that grew up in church their entire life could miss heaven because they never believed in their heart. And there will be people like that. So one of two things is true in here. If you find that you're just not growing spiritually and you, you feel like your faith is dead, either one, you're not saved, or number two, you've gone so far from God, you need to get back in the Word of God and need to be praying and need to be seeking His face and need to ask God to, to start a revival in your heart. Now, we're having revival services in November, and I am excited for them. But we shouldn't wait for that revival service to start, for revival to start in our hearts. That revival needs to have already started in our hearts so that when He comes, our hearts are ready to hear. When we're pastors up here preaching uh, on next Sunday, we need to be starting revival. We need to make sure that our hearts are fresh and ready to hear from God. So uh, there's two different kinds of people here in the room this morning. They're saved and unsaved, and you have to decide where you are. This morning, if you aren't sure that heaven's your home, if you say, I just don't, I come to church and I don't feel like I, I, I'm growing, I don't feel like, and I don't remember ever accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, let today be the day you get that settled. Let today be that day that you start a new life in Christ. I do not work with electricity that often. I am bad at working with electricity. When I work with electricity, you can ask my wife, I shut the main breaker off to our house, so there is no chance that there is any electricity anywhere in our house. And so I'll tell her, hey, just so you know, if you want to go to Walmart or something, you're not going to have electricity probably for the next six hours because that's how long it takes me to figure out what I'm doing. Uh, but there was one time at our last ministry uh, we had to change a couple ballast and lights. And I'm up on a ladder. It was an eight-foot ladder. I was up on top of the ladder, and the pastor was there helping me. He goes, I shut off the electricity to this room. You're safe. 
Now, this light that I happened to be changing was an emergency light, so it had a battery backup inside. Uh, so the light was still on, but that didn't bother me. I wasn't changing anything to do with that emergency light. It was another ballast. And I went, and I'm on top of the ladder, and I grabbed the wire to take the wire nut off, and it shocked me. And I don't like electricity. I looked at him, and I said, that wire's still hot. You go up and change it. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I had the breaker flipped the wrong way. Just a second. Give me just a second. I went, <laughs> I'm the one up on the eight-foot ladder. He came back in the room. He said, okay, it's off now. You are safe to go. I should have known better. I should have gotten my electrical tester out of my car and gone and seen if that wire was hot. Because even when I shut the electricity off to the entire house, I know that there's some weird wiring that somebody did that lived there before, and there's still going to be a hot wire somehow. Uh, but I didn't. I trusted him, and I climbed back up the wire, and I grabbed onto that wire, and it started shocking me. And I went, after that, he shut the lights off, and there was no electricity anymore. But I said, I am done. I am not changing this ballast today. I will stand down here, and you can climb up there and change it. But when that wire shocked me, it, did, I, it changed me, okay? I wasn't the same person because those elect the electricity went through my body and shocked me. If you grab onto, when I was a kid, my grandma lives on a farm, and they have cows, and they have an electric fence going around. One of my cousins, bless their heart, said, you should see how it would feel to grab onto that wire. And we were right by the box where you could shut it off, so I did. I grabbed onto it, and I held onto it. And I wanted to let go so bad, but I couldn't let go of it until he turned that wire off, and my hand finally let go a little bit so I could pull it off, but the muscles were just contracting there. It changed me. And when you get saved, when, the word, when God comes and the Holy Spirit indwells you, it's going to cause a reaction. Something is going to happen in your heart. I'm not saying that you're going to wake up the next morning and feel completely different and that your whole life is going to be changed and you're never going to struggle with those besetting sins that you have, but it will change you. If you have truly put your faith and trust in Christ, it is, will change you. It will not be dead. You will be alive in Christ. Colossians 3 talks about being alive in Christ. Let's go ahead and turn there to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, just a couple of books back. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse number 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience." In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. When we got saved, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. We become dead to sin. When Christ, when that Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us, when the Holy Spirit does, we become dead to sin. So we are dead to something, but we are alive in Christ. Our faith has made us alive. We should no longer be dead. A dead body does not do much. It lays there. When you put a body in the ground, it doesn't do much. You can watch the movies where 
You've got zombies doing all kinds of things coming out of the ground, but a dead person does not do much, okay? They sit there. As Christians, we shouldn't be dead people just sitting there in the pews. We should be alive in Christ. We should be doing things. Nobody should look at us and go, are they alive? Are they not? Are they... Are they a Christian? Are they not? Our works should show that we are saved. And that's what this passage of Scripture in James is talking about. Turn back there with me. James chapter number 2. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, verse 15 says, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled. Have we done that before? Brother Bernard comes to me and goes, I see him on the side of the road. He is, has a flat tire. He's on the side of 26. He's heading home. And I stop and I go, hey, Brother Bernard, how are you doing? He goes, not too good. My tire is flat. I go, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, brother. I'll be praying for you. You have a good day. See you later. <laughs> be ye warmed and filled in Christ, my brother in Christ. And I walk away and don't do anything about it. What good does that do, Brother Bernard, sitting on the side of the road? He's probably sitting, he's probably sinning now going, Daniel, why didn't he help me? He didn't offer to give me a ride to the tire shop. He didn't offer to let me use his phone. He just said, be ye warmed and filled. What good did that do him? Nothing. He is not warmed. He is not filled. He is probably angry at me, okay? But the, the Bible says here, hey, when we're Christians and somebody needs something, somebody has need of something, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, you're not just going to say, Hey, be warmed and filled. Have a great day. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. We should be, we should be uh, moved to action to help them. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? It doesn't profit anything. If I don't help Brother Bernard when he's on the side of the road, it's not going to help him anything. What does he need? He needs a ride to a tire shop. He needs help changing the tire. He needs, uh, he needs help. He needs something. Our faith should cause us to action, to do things, because we are alive in Christ. And keep on going. Verse 17, even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Now, I'm not here saying that you have to have works to be saved. Because for by grace, that is very true. Are ye saved through faith? and that not of yourselves. If works had something to do with it, it would put that responsibility on our shoulders. And the responsibility of our sins and the forgiveness of sins as it was on Christ's shoulder, on Calvary, it's nothing that we could ever do to attain it because Christ makes us perfect through him. He justifies us. He makes us just as if we had never sinned. But when we're saved, we should have those works. If we, aren't, if we don't have works, our faith is dead. And one of two things we said is true. Either you're saved and you're backslidden, you're so far from God, he's not working through you anymore. Number two, you need to do a heart evaluation and you need to make today the day that you get saved. Is your faith dead? Now you might say, hey Daniel, I don't think that my faith is dead. Uh, I, I believe that I'm saved because I believe in God. Let's keep on reading verse 18. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith <coughs> Excuse me, by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. How many of you believe that there is one God? All right. A couple people are asleep. That's okay. okay. I hope everybody in here believes. I hope we can all be on the same page about that, that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there is one God, okay? We believe that. We can all be on the same page. 
99% of us are on the same page, a couple are asleep. But we're all here today, and we believe that there is one God. And James says, thou doest well. That's great. Pat yourself on the back. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. See, look, believing in God isn't going to get you to heaven because the demons in hell, they believe in God. They know that there's a God. They know so much that they tremble just at the thought of his name. So knowing that there is a God and believing that there is a God does not take you to heaven because even Satan believes in God. Even the devils believe in God. The demons believe in God. And so let me ask you, do you have a dead faith? Number two, there's the demonic faith. The demons even believe. But that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. They will not be in heaven. They've been thrown out of heaven. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Do we have a dead faith? I think a lot of times we think we're doing good because we believe everything and we know everything. But this is very convicting to stop and go, the devil knows. Satan knows all that stuff too, and he's not going to heaven. Believing in God doesn't make you any better than Satan. Believing in God isn't going to do anything for you. Having faith that there is a God isn't going to do anything for you unless you put your faith and trust in Him for your salvation. And I hope today, if you have not, that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. They have a, this, the demons have that intellectual faith that we were talking about earlier. They know. They know that there is a God. They know all about God. They know how powerful He is. Sometimes their faith in God, our faith in God should move us to a, a righteous fear. And if you want a good study in the Bible, you should study the fear of God. The fear of God. It's an interesting topic to look at because we don't have to fear God as far as, is he going to attack us? Is he going to tear us down? But we need to have a righteous fear for God, a respect Amen. for him because he is an all-powerful God. And de- the devil knows that. His demons know that. We need to have that respect and that, that reverence for God, the fear of God. But the, the devil, the demons, they have an intellectual faith. Uh, they're, they're touching their emotions. The Bible says that they tremble. But yet, they aren't going to heaven either. Let me ask you a question. Do we have a dead faith in here today? And then James goes on and talks about that demonic faith that the demons have, okay? It talks about that, but... You're going to have one of two kinds of faith in here this morning. Either one, you're going to have a dead faith. Number two, you're going to have a dynamic faith. The demonic faith goes in between there. That's what the devils believe, okay? But number, either you're going to have a dead faith, and you're not saved, or you're saved and you're backslidden, or you're going to have a dynamic faith. And that's the kind of faith that we should have, a faith that causes us to work. Uh, You can look in all kinds of passages of Scripture to know that our works cause us to faith. We have the fruit of our salvation. Uh, you talk, Brother Rouse was just here and did that example that we should have the fruit of our salvation. And he brought uh, me up and then led me to the Lord, okay? And then he had us to go out and get people. And then it multiplied and multiplied. And we should have fruit for our salvation. You should be able to look and go, I led them to the Lord. They're in church because I invited them. Uh, They're in church because I witnessed to them and they came to church and got saved afterwards. We should be able to look and see fruit in our lives as Christians, other Christians that are saved. We should have the fruit of the Spirit living through us. 
We need to have a dynamic faith. Verse 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? We saw Abraham's faith lived out when he trusted God enough to sacrifice his son on the altar. That doesn't mean that's what took him to heaven. His faith took him to heaven. But we saw in our eyes, it was just why we say, okay, Abraham, was a, Abraham had some good faith. Would I have faith enough to take Landon up on a mountaintop, if God told me to, and to lay him on an altar and be willing to sacrifice him? Now, we know, if you know the story, you know that God provided another sacrifice, and Abraham did not sacrifice his son. But would I even be willing to do that? We saw Abraham's faith lived out. It was justified in our eyes. It doesn't mean that that's what's taking him to heaven. His faith was taking him to heaven, but we saw his faith by his works. Can you name some other people that we know their faith by their works? What about Daniel? We talked about him a little bit on Wednesday night. We know that he was a man of prayer. Why? Because even when he faced certain death, he still prayed. Three times a day, not in hiding. Was that what took him to heaven, his works? No, but we saw it was justified in our eyes. And the unsaved people noticed too. Why? Because what happened to King Darius afterwards? When he saw that the, lives, the uh, mouths of the lions were shut and that Daniel was still alive the next morning after spending the night in the lion's den, it changed his life. And he made a decree that they were going to only serve Daniel's God. And so uh, even the unsaved people will notice. Unsaved people notice when you're not a real Christian, okay? Are you the real deal is the title of this sermon series. Unsaved people realize when we're not being real Christians. They can see through our facade, and it hurts the cause of Christ. We need to have that dynamic faith that's changing people, that's changing not only other people, but that's changing us on a daily basis. None of us in this room have arrived spiritually. We all have room to grow. If you ask Pastor Wagner, he would tell you the same thing. Every single day, we need to get closer to God. Nobody in this world has arrived at perfection. And so every single day, our dynamic faith living through us reading the Word of God, studying it, coming to church and hearing from our Sunday school teachers and from the pulpit should keep on changing us from the inside so that we can keep on uh, spreading the Word of God and helping others to change as well. Faith leads to action. True faith, dynamic faith, will lead to action. So let me ask you in here today, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have a dead faith or do you have a dynamic faith? Remember, a dead faith where you aren't saved, where you believe in God is no better than the devil and the demons in their demonic faith, okay? It's because the devils believe and tremble, but it doesn't cause them to change anything and they're not going to heaven. So let me encourage you today, if you are not saved, let today be the day of salvation. Come forward. We'd be happy to have someone talk to you and show you from the Bible how you can know for sure heaven is your home. And you'll never regret it. I've never regretted the decision that I made back in 2002 to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Never once have I regretted it. That's not to say that life has been easy. That's not to say that everything's been perfect. But God's been good to me. And let today be that day. You won't regret it. Maybe you're a Christian in here today and you've been backsliding and you haven't been reading the Word of God and you haven't been in Scripture. Let today be the day that you get your heart right with God and get back in the Word of God and continue to read it, continue to grow and let your faith become dynamic and change you so that you can be an impact on the others. My dad's church up in Virginia, their uh, name is Lighthouse Baptist Church, and their motto is a beacon of hope to a dark and troubled world. That's what we should be as Christians. We should be a light 
The light of God should reflect through our lives to show other people that God is good, that God saves, that we should have, give them something that they want. They have the world. They have all the fleshly things, and so many churches are trying to be like the world and trying to attract the world with the same things that they can get in the club on Saturday night, and that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for something different. They're looking for something dynamic that can fill that hole, that void in their life, and we as Christians, Christians, we need to be that person that through Christ's power, we're changing, uh, God can change people's lives. Our prayers, Christians, should be, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's from Psalm 139. That should be our prayer. We need to ask God to search us because it doesn't take much for that dynamic faith in our life to start to fade a little bit and for us to let sin creep into our life and to let it hurt us. But we think that sin only hurts us, but we know from examples in Scripture that sin doesn't just only hurt me. My sin's going to hurt my wife. My sin's going to hurt my son. My sin's going to hurt my friends around me. My sin's going to hurt my church family. And the same is true of every single Christian in here today. Husbands, your sin's going to affect your wife and your family. Wives, your sin's going to affect your children and your husband. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your church. And so as a church, we need to come together and realize that God wants us to have a dynamic faith. God wants to speak to us. God wants us to grow closer to him. God wants to, to grow us every single day, but we have to be willing to. He's not going to force it down our throats. He didn't make us robots. I'm thankful he didn't make us robots. He gave us a choice. Let me ask you this morning, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have a dead faith or do you have a dynamic faith?